Good morning. I've, t- I've t- entitled this talk, sort of walk the talk. As we've seen today, um, people have said, let's, let's um, talk about what we talk about, yeah? And walk like we talk. Um, so that the things that we say and we believe about our, our God are things that are exemplified in, in our lives. And um, I'm going to look at the, uh, the book of Acts. We're working through the book of Acts as a church. So last week, um, Nathan uh, spoke to us about um, uh, Paul and Silas in prison and how their circumstances didn't impact on their, their ability to, to share the gospel, to pray, to, to, to worship. And, um, and he encouraged us, didn't he, to get together with people outside the church and with people inside the church in order to drive forward the work of, of God. And that was in, in a place called Philippi. And I think there's a map there, Peter, which um, you could show up. Um, I'm glad Barry's here, actually, because I needed one of, your, um, one of your sort of laser torches, but they're probably illegal now. But, um, <laughs> but the, um, where we are, we've... Paul was in a place called uh, Philippi when Nathan spoke last week. So it's helpful to sort of, um, you know, this is real stuff. This is, this is, these are real places, you know, a real point in history, in time that we're talking about. So we're not, we're not sort of, it's not sort of made up, it's, it's, it's real. So he was in um, Philippi, which is in, he'd crossed over from, that's Asia, and this is Europe, this side. Okay, it's the eastern uh, Mediterranean. And he'd crossed over from uh, Troas to, uh, to a place called Philippi, which is where he got treated really um, dreadfully. In fact, he says in one of his, one of his letters, I got treated dreadfully in, in Philippi. And, uh, and, he's, and after he'd left Philippi, he moved on to a place called Thessalonia. So we'll read about that. And that's in that northern part of what is now modern Greece. And... Um, Thessaloniki is now a, a thriving second biggest city in Greece. I think there's some pictures. So, um, you know, this, this place, you know, is, it's a real place. It's real now. And I don't think there's any... There's lots of places we read about in the Bible that, that, that you know, like some of those in central Turkey, for example, where we don't really know, you know, where they are. But Thessalonica, or now called Thessaloniki, you know, is a major seaport in Greece. And I don't think there's, um, you know, Paul established an incredibly thriving church there. And, and that's what I want us to learn lessons from. Because, and I don't think there's any coincidence that that thriving church is now a thriving, you know, has created a thriving city in northern Greece. Um, so, uh, so that's where we are. So this is, this is real, real stuff. I'm going to read from um, Acts chapter 17. And um, we're going to read the first 10 verses. So if you've got a Bible, you can follow me. If you like, it'll come up on the screen. We make it easy for you. Um, It says, When Paul and his companions had passed through Amphipolis and Apollonia, they, they came to Thessalonica, where there was a Jewish synagogue. As was his custom, Paul went into the synagogue, and on three Sabbath days, he reasoned with them from the scriptures, explaining and proving that the Messiah had to suffer and rise from the dead. This Jesus I am proclaiming to you is the Messiah, he said. Some of the Jews were persuaded, and they joined Paul and Silas, as did a large number of God-fearing Greeks and quite a few prominent women. But other Jews were jealous. 
So they rounded up some bad characters from the marketplace, formed a mob, and started a riot in the city. That seems to be a common occurrence, you know, that they, they got a mob together um, uh, to, to, to object. So they started a riot in the city, and they rushed to Jason's house in search of Paul and Silas in order to bring them out to the crowd. But when they did not find them, they dragged Jason and some other believers before the city officials, shouting, these men who have caused trouble all over the world have now come here, and Jason has welcomed them into his house. They're all defying Caesar's decrees, saying that there is another king, one called Jesus. How dare they declare another, another king? Um, and when they heard this, the crowd and the city officials were thrown into turmoil. Then they put Jason and uh, the others on bail and let them go. And as soon as it was night, the believers sent Paul and Silas away to Berea. Uh, on arriving there, they went to the Jewish synagogue. And um, the, so Paul had to leave there in a hurry. He wasn't in um, Thessalonica. And if you just read this, this account, it's... Um, I mean, imagine that happening here, actually. That'd be great, wouldn't it? You know, with this, there was a riot because of what we did here. How about that, eh? I'd love it. Yeah? <laughs> Wouldn't you? <laughs> it's fantastic that what we did was so impactful that there was a riot. I was, I'm praying for that. God, I am. It's great. <laughs> Let's go for it. And, um, you know... And they didn't know what to do, so they put them on bail, and, and Paul had to leave. And Paul was not able to return to Thessalonica. Um, and you know, some people think there is there was things like a court order on him or on his companions that if he returned, they would end up in prison. So he was he said, "I'm I'm prevented from coming to, to Thessalonica, coming back." But what he did, he went on to um, to uh, Athens, which is about 200 miles away. And he went on then from there to Corinth. And we'll hear about that in, in future weeks. But you could skip over this, this episode. It's just another story within Acts. But what I want to do is to give you a bit of colour for this church. Because that was established here. Paul was only here probably... I mean, he only managed to stay in the synagogue for three weeks before they threw him out, I guess. Yeah? And... And he stayed in, in um, Thessalonica probably only a few months. And yet in that time, as we'll see, he established a thriving, brilliant church and one that we can learn from. And I want us to learn from their experience of, of what they did and how they, and how they did it. So if you could turn with me, if you've got, again, if you've got a Bible, to the book of um, uh, 1 Thessalonians. And we're going to read the first... Um, ten verses of the first chapter of the book of Thessalonians. It's one of the, the smaller letters. Carry on in, from Acts and carry on in, you know, you'll, you'll find it. Um, and Paul wrote this from, from Corinth when he was there a few months later. So he'd, he'd left Thessalonica, gone to Athens, and eventually moved on to Corinth. And he wrote this letter to the church in, in, in um, Thessalonica from, uh, from Athens, sorry, from Corinth. And uh, we'll read from verse 1 in, in this is first book of Thessalonians. He wrote two letters, um, one after, quite soon after the other, um, in chapter 1. So it says, Paul, Silas, and Timothy, all his companions. And, and what Nathan said last week about working together, Paul you know, worked together. 
um, to the church of the Thessalonians in God the Father and the Lord Jesus Christ. Grace and peace to you. We always thank God for all of you continually and continually mention you in our prayers. We remember before our God and Father your work produced by faith, your labor prompted by love, and your endurance inspired by hope in our Lord Jesus Christ. For we know, brothers and sisters, loved by God, that he has chosen you, because our gospel came to you not simply with words, but also with power, with the Holy Spirit and deep conviction. You know how we lived among you for your sake. You became imitators of us and of the Lord, for you welcomed the message in the midst of severe suffering with a joy given by the Holy Spirit. And so you became a model to all the believers in Macedonia and Achaia. That's the whole of Greece. The Lord's message rang out from you, not only in Macedonia and Achaia. Your faith in God has become known everywhere. Therefore, we do not need to say anything about it. For they themselves report what kind of reception you gave us. They tell how you turned to God from idols to serve the living and true God and to wait for his son from heaven, whom he raised from the dead. Jesus, who rescues us from the coming wrath. So he, and, and we've heard some of these this morning, aren't we? You know, Jesus is our deliverer. Jesus is our rescuer. He delivers us from the, from the coming wrath. Um, but this church, so Paul was only in this place in Thessalonica, probably four months, four to six months. In that time, he's got a church that is known throughout the whole of Greece, and it's known throughout the wider, the wider world, that their faith has resonated. So I'm praying for that as well. Yeah? Wouldn't you, wouldn't you want a dynamic church like that? Don't just nod to me. Tell me yes. Yeah? <laughs> That, that is, it's known, it was known throughout Greece. They, were, they, were, they had a reputation for their faith and what they And we'll look into this a bit more detail. But this was a dynamic center for Christianity in Europe at that time. And it got known throughout the place. And in four months, that happened. That's pretty good. How long have we been here? 25 years? Okay. Okay. So, so we're going to get the riot started. That's where you start. And then from there, we're going to get the message out. We can use, you know, we'll use WhatsApp and Facebook and everything to get the message out that people will know um, what, what we're about. And what I want to do today is just to encourage us, all right, to be, to imitate. It says they imitated Paul and, and Silas. We want to imitate them, yeah, because the, imitation is good. We used to have a saying when I was in work, uh, when I worked in civil service, it said, so be the first to become second. Yeah? So let's be imitators of, um, of, of those who do, who do well. Um, and I'm going to run through this in, uh, in order. We just go through the verses, um, Peter, and I just want to sort of drag out um, things that look at what, what, what the church was like, how they came to be like that and what the, the message was that they were, they were responding to. So verse 1 to 3, it says, um, Paul and Silas and Timothy, um, and, and they talk about the end. They talk about um, their faith and their hope, sorry, their faith and their love and their hope. 
And those things, and I won't go into the, these in huge detail, because I think Andrew preached on these about a year ago. But, um, but things that characterised this church was that they had faith. So they had faith in what had been done for them. They had faith in what the Lord Jesus Christ has done to accomplish, to rescue us, to rescue us as individuals, to rescue us as a body, and what God has done by intervening in history to make us part of, of his family. So they had faith in that going backwards. They had lo- that, that, that love shown to them created love in them for other people. Love for each other and love for the, um, for, for the people around them that they were really concerned, you know, as, as Pam said, you know, to, to, to tell them the good news. We have an obligation to tell the good news. This is, this is the best kept secret in history that we've got. And it needs to be out there and, uh, and known. So, so in the present, they were loving. And in the future, they had hope, didn't they? They had hope. And, and we, you know, we want to drive home that we have a hope. We are a people of hope. You know, we, and it's not just a, it says it's not just a, a, a vague hope. It's a solid hope that we have. It's the hope of a, of a resurrected saviour coming again to restore his whole creation and to do away with sin. At this point in time, he can deal with your sin. At that point in time, he will get rid of sin as a disease. Yeah? We can heal people of, you know, of, of some diseases now, but we want to eradicate those diseases, and that's what will happen. So they had a hope, and those things need to be things that, you know, our features of, of who we are and what we are. They're in our DNA, that faith, that love, and that hope. And that created them, that, that, that drove all that they did, that drove um, how, they, how they behaved. And um, it, it, moving on, it says in, in verse 4 and 5, that, that Paul said to them, yes, have you know, brothers and sisters, loved by God, that he has chosen you, and then he talks about how the gospel came to them, how the good news came to them. And it, wasn't, it says it's not simply with words, but with power and with the Holy Spirit and with deep conviction. You know how we lived and, and with an exemplification of how we should live. And I, all I want to say, and this is, um, is words, words are important. The word of God is important. I wish I, I wish I had a Bible to hold up here. Actually, somebody got a Bible, you know. But the, the um, that, that'll do. That'll do. It's a small one, but the, you know, the, the words in here are important. The words written in here are important. They are the the basis of our faith. They are God's revealed story. They are. It is God's story in here, and it has a consistency and a coherence about it from start to finish. Yeah, it starts with a with a good creation. It fins it finishes with a good creation. It is a story with a beginning, a middle, and an end. And this word is important. And I would just say to you, just encourage you, to to pick up this word. You know, we're we're in we're in in the habit often of just seeing stuff and 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 hearing stuff secondhand. But I would say go firsthand. Go and get get this. Re, you know, read it, consume it. Um, you know, live with it, use it. It's a weapon. It's something you can use to to tackle the issues that you face. As Liz said, you know, the 
the head teacher goes, there's some good stuff in here. Believe me, guys, there's some good stuff in here. Yeah? I could turn to any page in here and I'd find good stuff. And I would just encourage you, this word is incredibly important. The words coming out of our mouth are incredibly important. They are, you know, as, as Pam said, as, as Liz said, you know, just saying we need, some, you know, we need to get more, more good words in, into assembly. The words that you say are important. As Helen said, it doesn't have to be very much you say. And you probably won't discern it, but your words are important. If you're spoken, you're written. And I just encourage you, let it out. Let it in, let it out. Okay? But, and words are important. But it, he says, it wasn't just with words this came. Paul preached to them and told them about Jesus. He told them about the resurrection. And some of them got angry and some of them, some of them believed. And that's going to be the case, isn't it? Some of, those peop- some of the people we talk to about Jesus will be we will not like it. And some of them will. <laughs> and, you know, and, you know, we've got a mixture here today. You know, I'm, I'm, we want to declare to you the gospel of God, the gospel of the Lord, the Lord Jesus. But it didn't come with, um, just with words. It came with power. And we quite often talk about power in a sense that it's about signs and wonders and about miraculous, and I've spoken about that in the past, and that's true. But, I, the, the, but the power here was the power of the Holy Spirit to convict people that what Paul was saying was true. It, is what, it was what um, um, you know, Paul reasoned with them and proved to them that the Messiah was, was true. And it's a bit like the... Um, I was thinking of John Wesley, and I think there's a slide from John Wesley, Peter, um, where he, he, he said at some point in time, his heart was, um, it was, what should I say, strangely warmed. When he heard the gospel, it says his heart was strangely warmed. That when, when he heard somebody talking about from the book of Romans, he talks about his heart was strangely warmed. And what does he say? I felt, and this is from his journal, and it's, it's out there, yeah. It says, um, we must get a TV set that goes that way, that I can see what the heck's happening behind me. Either that, or you pray for eyes in the back of my head. I don't mind, I don't mind. I'll have either. Um, but he said, um, this is what he said in his journal. He said, he said when, while the speaker was describing the change which God works in the heart through faith in Christ, I felt my heart strangely warmed. I felt I did trust in Christ, Christ alone for salvation, and the assurance was given me that he had taken away my sins, even mine, and saved me from the law of sin and death. And it takes the Holy Spirit. See, I can spout off about what Jesus has done for you, but it takes the Holy Spirit in your hearts to, to, to say to you, this stuff is true. And I'm, my experience is pretty similar to John Wesley's in that respect. When I, when I first became a Christian, when I was about 23, I just the words that people were saying and the, the things I was reading that previously had no, no impact on me, I suddenly went, wow. Wow. A bit like your head teacher. Wow. That this word is is life. This word 
is, is impacting my life. And that wasn't something that I'd ex- experienced before. It was just a new type of, of experience that I can't explain. And my prayer today is that all of us will experience that wow thing in your, in your heart. My favorite word is wow when I read the Bible. Yeah, I go, wow, that's amazing. Because, and, it's, and that's the Holy Spirit. It's not me. I, I really cannot explain this stuff. I can't explain what happened to me years ago. I can't explain why I'm still going wow now when I read stuff. But I do. And I just want to share that. Because what Paul said is that that word came across with power, but it came across with conviction. And the challenge for me here, and it wasn't their conviction, it was Paul's conviction when he spoke about it. It's my conviction when I speak about what God has done for me that is, that is going to convince you <laughs> that this stuff is for real. The place is real. The words are real. The Holy Spirit is real. And, and I, you know, the challenge for anyone who stands up here and talks to, to, to you guys and talks with you guys, I don't want to talk to you, I, don't want, to talk, I want to talk with you, is that I have to say, I am convinced that this stuff is true. And I would be doing you a disservice if I didn't share with you the good news of what Jesus and God have done for for me with you. And I want you to share. If you're not a Christian here today, I would love you just to share in this amazing, amazing thing that can happen through the Holy Spirit going, you know, that's real. You know that's for you. You know, this is God speaking, I love you. And the challenge for me is to, you know, I can't work up conviction. I can just share with you, you know, what I feel about this stuff. And I want you to, to have that passion as well, to, to share that with other people that you meet. When I first became a Christian, I could not help but talk to people about it. And it's the same with the Thessalonians. They could not help but talk. I bet most of their, their speaking was because they gossiped it. They talked about it in their business meetings. <laughs> this thing has happened. And I remember early on when I was a Christian, it's more difficult now. Somehow the gods, you know, makes it more difficult for me now. Yeah? But when I was a Christian, people just asked me what, what the difference was. What had changed? And it's dead easy. You just tell them what happened. I talked to somebody in a plane once. I was, we were sat on the tarmac somewhere or other. And I think they were a work colleague. And I was talking to them about Jesus. And they said, wow, that's amazing. Why don't, you should be telling everyone about this. You should be you know, declaring this all over the place. And, and we should, shouldn't we? And that's what happened in Thessalonians. The Thessalonian church didn't become known worldwide through keeping quiet. They became known worldwide for just chattering and gossiping the gospel. And the little things that you do and the little things that you share are really, really important. You know, Helen's saying that, you know, you'd had no perception of that, but years later it bears fruit. You, 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 are, you are crucial. I've gone totally off my notes. I'm no clue where I am. <laughs> <laughs> but... Um, but 
But the, and Paul's life reflected what the gospel was. Yeah? His life reflected good news. And you are a reflection of the good news. You, the life you live, the way you live it, how you, how you carry yourself is critical, isn't it, to, to how the gospel is received. And, um, and don't, you know, don't belittle what you do. I often think we, f- we feel like we have to be in a, some sort of, sort of state of, of meditation on God for him to use us. You know? And we, c- we meet, don't we? We meet together. But I just, I've just been thinking recently, actually, look, I've got to do practical things you know, and it's, we, sometimes we think God doesn't like that. that we like, <laughs> he wants us to worship us. We sang earlier on, didn't we? I want to be where the praise is never ending. Well, I do, but I actually want to do it while I'm doing a job. And I want to be praising while I'm doing stuff. And, you know, we, we, need, um, we need, you know, to realize that God works through us whatever our circumstances. As Nathan said last week, he can work through us whatever our circumstances. So if you're doing a job and you're concentrating on that, he can do it well because he can work through you. He's with you. Jesus said, I am with you. I'm with you to the end of the age. And, you know, we need to believe, believe that stuff. Right. Where are we? Verse, verse 5. Let's carry on. Um, we need to... The, the, it says the... Um, the, the um, What's what they called? The Thessalonians, that's it. The Thessalonian church. They, they, they welcomed the message. And sometimes, you know, so they received and they welcomed the message. Sometimes I receive the message. Sometimes I receive the message from Jan, but I don't always welcome it because it, it's quite often me having to do something. Yeah? <laughs> and, and I just want to, <laughs> to say that... that we need to receive and welcome the message. That this message needs to bear fruit in us. You know, and quite often we're, you know, I can understand this. We can be a bit hesitant about receiving, can't we? Because if it's a tough thing to do or a tough challenge, it's tough, isn't it? As, as Pam said, it's tough to go and talk to people about, about Jesus. You know, but we need um, the help of the Holy Spirit in order to do that. And to and to welcome, welcome, receive and, and welcome. They became imitators. The, the, the Thessalonian church became imitators of Paul, and they became imitators of Silas, and they became imitators of Jesus. That's what it says here. And they did it in the midst of, of extreme, extreme suffering. You know, their circumstances didn't impact on how they were gonna, gonna do that. And you know, we need to be imitators of people. There's people who've been in this church that I want to imitate. You know, I mean, Ted and Daphne, some of you will know, who, who, who died you know, a year or two back. You know, I go, wow, I want to be like that when I'm, <laughs> when I'm 90, <laughs> if I'm 90. All right. I want to be like that now. Um, yeah, so let's not wait until we're 90. Let's begin. <laughs> um, so, you know, there are people we can imitate. Uh, you know, Andrew's not with us now. I just love that guy. And, I, and he's forever teaching me stuff about, you know, how to, how to live and how to, how to behave. And um, I'm not very good at his practical skills. But, but you know, the, just his, his wisdom in situations. I just love it, you know. And, and there are people, aren't there? And just, you just think, as Nath said last week, let's, let's look to people and let's partner up with people. Because we can learn from them. We can imitate them. 
you know, we, I want us to imitate the Thessalonian church and the way they behaved, but we can, we can also imitate individuals as well. And, the, and it happened to them despite their, their suffering, and they did it with joy. So they're in a suffer, they're, they're in, a, in a lot of persecution. You know, the riots going on outside in Guildford Street, yeah? And we're in here, or we're out there, but we're full of joy. And he said it was joy through the Holy Spirit, doesn't he? Yeah? He says, um, with joy given by the Holy Spirit. We just need the Holy Spirit to give us joy. We need to be a people who are exemplified by joy. And joy doesn't, doesn't, um, doesn't depend on our circumstances as they've proved, as Paul proved last week. Joy is something that we possess. And we possess it because the Holy Spirit is in us. And we have a far, far greater hope than any of the suffering that they have. You know, I mean, we don't, uh, uh, you know, until the riot starts, we don't experience that much suffering, do we? But when the, when the riot starts, then it will become more difficult. Yeah? But we do it with joy. They, we do it with joy. Let's move on to the end of the the, the, um, the end of the, uh, the the passage in verse nine ten, because it says we don't. Paul said, "I don't have to do anything to to, I don't have to do anything to tell people about what you're doing, because it's known throughout the world." And it's um, and he says, and it wasn't just the message they were giving; it was the way they received what Paul brought to them. What Paul and Silas brought to them. It's the way they received the gospel that's, that's being talked about. It wasn't just that they've got people of faith and people of love and they're people of hope. It's, that they, it's the way they received the message. It's the way they received what Paul was saying to them. And um, you know, what kind of reception you gave us. They tell us about that. And they say, this is what people said. They said, you turn to God from idols. So there's a turning they said, and you wait for the Son. Sorry, you, you serve the living and true, and true God. There's a service. So there's a turning. There's a service. And then there's a waiting. There's a waiting for the Son. Um, uh, what does it say? The, sorry, waiting for his Son from heaven, whom he raised from the dead. Jesus, who rescues us from the coming wrath. There are three things. Three things that they, that's how they responded. All right? They... Um, so they turn from idols. And you're probably going, we don't have idols now. I bet you do. I think we have more idols now than they had. They, they, had, they had loads of idols. Um, they'd, you know, if they had to do anything, they'd go and sacrifice something to, a, to an idol just in case. And, um, and we have idols, don't they? They're just called different things now. They're called you know, Manchester United or, um, uh, or Tottenham. <laughs> Um, or, um, or they're called some, somebody who can sing, or they're called somebody who can play music, or they're, um, or they're called your job, you know, or they're called sex or drugs or al- alcohol. Yeah? They, we have more, got more idols now. That's things that take the place of God. That's things that we go to at the point of crisis in our lives. Or it's things that we go to, to if we're feeling a bit, a bit you know, upset. Now, now, of themselves, necessarily, some of those things aren't wrong, yeah? Hopefully, because I support Man United. But, <laughs> but, but, um, but if they take us away from God, if we're looking to them for our satisfaction and our life, 
then those are the, those are the replacement things that, that are wrong. So let's not say we don't have idols. We have hundreds. We have hundreds. But they turned from idols, and they didn't turn to nothing. As Bob Dylan famously said in a song, you know, you've got to serve somebody. It may be the devil, it may be the Lord, but you've got to serve somebody. So it's no good turning away from serving something that, that um, actually demeans you often, that, that you know, creates um, dependency often. Yeah, it's no good turning about that, away from that to nothing. You have to turn to something. And these, these um, Thessalonians turned to God. And they turned to serve the living and true God. And this God that we serve is living and true. And I think as somebody said earlier on, you know, we, we serve him because he lo- you know, we serve a God who loves us. This isn't a drudgery. This isn't you know, replacing one form of servitude for another. Um, as he said, we, you know, we are now part of his family. We're now both workers and part of the family. We're a bit like Prince Charles. You know, we are royal princes who have a job to do in, in, in serving um, our God. So they turned to serve, to serve God. And then at the same time, they waited. And quite often we see waiting. They waited for Jesus. They're waiting for Jesus to return. They're waiting for the Son. As it say, the Son from heaven, whom he raised from the dead, Jesus, who rescues us from the coming wrath. There is a day, as Ard said, there is a day when sin will be eradicated. That disease of sin will be eradicated. And you either, you're either in the boat, as it were, with Jesus, or you're part of that, that you know, the other crew that, um, that, that are part of that um, of sin. And there's a, there's a picture I've got, which is a f- fantastic picture with, you know, there's one that's on the Sistine Chapel that Michelangelo um, painted. And it's of God reaching down, isn't it? And people reaching up, and there's two fingers touching. I want to say, I want to I change that picture. I'm going to go there one day and paint over it. Because I think he's reaching down, and he's grabbing hold of us. Yeah? He's grabbing hold of your hand to take you out of, the, out of the, the morass, out of the water. He's, there, he's our rescuer. Yeah? He's not just our you know, lightning conductor. He's our rescuer. And that involves a physical taking you out of, of that, that sin that will be dealt with into the kingdom, his kingdom, which is the kingdom of light and it's the kingdom of love. And... He's coming to, resc- to rescue. He's come to rescue us. And, he, and we look forward in hope to a day when he will come and rescue us fully. And as Ard said, that's no, you know, we, we sometimes discount some of these things, don't we? We don't see them. The stuff we don't see, we discount. And it's really, really important we also remember there is a day. And there is a day when he will come as judge and he will come as king and he will come as Lord. And, and it says the, 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 um, Paul was accused of preaching about another king. Well, we're, that's what we're doing here today. We're preaching about another king who's come to take over. And he's come to take over your life and my life and to, to rescue us from that coming, coming wrath, to rescue us to be servants in his kingdom, to rescue us in order for us to turn away from 
from idols and those other things that, that um, affect us and, and um, influence us.